Matter of fact, I think that a vote is a kind of prayer for the kind of world we desire for ourselves and for our children. I agree. Let us pray. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Hey there. Here I am from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles. This is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, also in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN and Eureka's KGOE, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP and Rochester, New York's WRFZ. And yes, we are going to talk about New York today. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle's KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets. On the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, pay attention Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow. Says me from bradblog.com. And we have got Desi Doyen. Hi, Des. Hey. (laughs) We have got not one, but two guests joining us momentarily today. I know. This is in (laughs) advance of Election Day next week. Yes, Tuesday, November 2nd, is Election Day. In many states across the country, even if they are local, too often low turnout affairs in a so-called off-year election. But in addition to the Virginia governor's race, the New Jersey governor's race, there are some important statewide initiatives for constitutional amendments on the ballot next week as well, including in New York, which concerns uh, the uh, provisions, the propositions on the ballot concern changes to election laws themselves, and some are controversial, not only between Democrats and Republicans, but between election integrity advocates and voting rights groups, etc. So uh, we will uh, be joined momentarily by two longtime democracy and election integrity champs from on the ground in New York State for a discussion about all of that as the issues in New York in various ways also are issues in other states around the country as we all work to try, anyway, to improve democracy here. At least some of us. Yes. Wish us all luck. (laughs) Uh, Very quickly, however, before we get to that, uh, yes, the seemingly endless sausage-making continues in the U.S. Senate. Between 48 Democratic senators, the White House, and two obstructionist Democrats, that would be Joe Manchin of West Virginia, Kirsten Sinema of Arizona, to try to come to an agreement, finally, on Joe Biden's agenda, the Build Back Better Act, to expand health care, child care, education, and more. 
including the first real federal government effort to take on our climate crisis. Well, there is a fight about the stuff in the bill, as Manchin and Cinema are sort of piece by piece dismantling much of its key and wildly popular provisions, even as we speak, against the will of pretty much the entire Congressional Democratic Caucus and the president. And there's also the fight for how to pay for it all. Democrats have vowed that the bill, unlike the smaller bipartisan companion bill for hard roads and bridges, infrastructure stuff, Democrats have vowed their bill will be fully paid for. The bipartisan bill that Manchin and Sinema negotiated and support with Republicans is not actually paid for. It will add to the deficit, for whatever that's worth. But Manchin and Sinema have also been challenging the pay-fors in the Build Back Better bill, with Sinema opposing tax increases on corporations and the wealthy after Trump and the GOP drastically cut their taxes in 2017, which, by the way, Sinema opposed at the time, but now she does not even want to partially restore those tax cuts. Surprise! Yep. So uh, Dems are now scrambling to find another way to pay for the bill uh, that will please those two senators who are obstructing this whole thing. They're looking at a wealth tax on billionaires, as both uh, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders had called for during the presidential campaign. Cinema has reportedly agreed to that funding mechanism for some reason. But Joe Manchin reportedly has concerns about it, naturally, suggesting that it might be too divisive to pick on the nation's billionaires. Yeah, he wants to target the uh, poor for means testing, but God, no, not the billionaires. Right. Target the billionaires to help pay for the needs of everyone else in the nation. Now, I don't have time uh, to dive into the details on this today, and it's all changing very quickly anyway, but let me just leave this point here for you now before I get to my guest uh, guests to probably pick up on another day. Anyway, depending on what happens, uh, the way things change in the Senate in the next few hours and days. But America's billionaires have seen their collective wealth surge 70 percent since the start of the pandemic. Got that? It has surged to more than five trillion dollars, according to an analysis by uh, the uh, Americans for Tax Fairness and the Institute for Policy Studies program on inequality. Yes, as you were perhaps struggling during the massive pandemic layoffs and the crashing economy, billionaires were making out like bandits. That gain for billionaires from March, March 18 of 2020 to this past month is equal in size, just the gain is equal in size to Biden's spending plans or hopes over the next 10 years for the entire country, for all of the programs that you have been hearing about in his proposal. Frank Clementi, the executive director of Americans for Tax Fairness, says right now, billionaires are not paying a dime in taxes on their fabulous income gains from their stock holdings during the pandemic. The billionaire's income tax would tax the increase in the value of those assets each year, just like workers' wages are taxed. You know, people who actually work for a living. So uh, it would apply to uh, this billionaire's wealth tax would apply to only those who are worth more than a billion or those who have made 
$100 million in income for three years in a row. That's the only people it would affect. Now, there were 614 of those people, 614 U.S. billionaires at the start of the pandemic. That number has now grown to 745 during the pandemic. A White House analysis uh, has indicated that the country's 400 wealthiest families paid an average federal income tax rate of 8.2 percent. 8.2 percent for the 400 wealthiest families in this country between 2010 and 2018. How much was your federal income tax rate during those years? So I don't know if this tax is going to be allowed by uh, Lord Manchin and Lady Cinema or not. Uh, either way, I wanted you to have some understanding of what Manchin seems to be objecting to here and describing as unfair to those poor 700 or so billionaires in this country, even as he's objecting to the elderly being able to, you know, receive teeth under the proposed expansion of Medicare or to make sure that our kids and our grandkids and all of us are even able to go outside during the summer months in the coming years and decades thanks to our quickly worsening climate crisis. I just want to leave that there for now. We'll come back later, I suspect, before we now move to something that is much, much more soothing, (laughs) the never-ending fight (laughs) over election reform and the survival of democracy. This, as Election Day, is now just days away in much of the country, including New York State, where voters will decide some very important issues about democracy itself on Tuesday and where even voting rights and democracy champions do not necessarily agree. We're uh, off to the fight for democracy in the theoretically democratic-leaning Empire State after a quick break here with two great democracy champs. On the ground there. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. That's calming. Very nice. Very nice. Autumn in New York. Why does it seem so inviting? Well, sure. It seems inviting except for the early season nor'easters in our new climate change fueled world out in New York. But other than that, stay on topic, Brad. Stay on topic. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. It is autumn in New York and everywhere else across the country, as it turns out, which means even in an off year like this one, Election Day is coming up in many places around the country. This coming Tuesday, November 2nd. You may not have heard much about it, either because you don't have elections where you live or because, you know, it's an off year election. I know much of the nation is still not done with last year's election for both good reason and mostly bad. But on Tuesday, 
Most of the elections around the country will be smaller local and municipal contests, but there are also some statewide offices and issues on the ballot in a number of states. Virginia, with its closely contested off-year gubernatorial elections between uh, this year between Democratic former Governor Terry McAuliffe and the Trump-endorsed Glenn Youngkin, is receiving most of the national media coverage, if only because of the neck-and-neck polling just days out from Election Day and the fact that for many years now, Virginia voters have had the habit of electing a governor from the opposite party of the one that has just won the White House in the prior year. If history tells us anything, Democratic Governor Ralph Northam who is termed out in Virginia, will probably be replaced by Republican candidate Glenn Youngkin, at least if we were living in normal historical times. And it is not clear that we actually are. After years as a largely red-leaning state, Democrats in Virginia have, in recent years, taken control of both chambers of the state legislature there, as well as the governor's mansion, with the Commonwealth electing Joe Biden last year by a 10-point margin over Donald Trump, all of which could be good news for Democrat Terry McAuliffe, but at this point, nobody actually knows. It will be, shockingly enough, up to the voters to decide. There's an idea. But it's not only elected offices that are up for grabs. In states like New York, voters will actually be deciding on the future of elections themselves in the Empire State. On Tuesday, New Yorkers heading to the polls for the general election will have the chance to make some big changes to elections with major ramifications to the state constitution. In fact, while many think of New York as one of the most liberal states in the union, its election laws and rules are actually among the most conservative, if that is the right word here. And I think it is. Most restrictive may also be another good descriptor. But as the New York Daily News notes, the ballots for Tuesday's elections with early voting now underway include five proposals that will let voters approve or shoot down sweeping overhauls to the state's complicated redistricting process, enshrine environmental protections in the state constitution, and even remove voter registration deadlines and potentially set the stage for the expansion of mail-in voting. In a state which uh, still has amongst the most restrictive absentee ballot rules in the nation, all of the proposed constitutional changes were approved by the state legislature before now going to voters, where historically they have a pretty good chance of passage. But again, never mind history. Now it's up to the voters, at least in theory, at least if the state counts its votes accurately and, you know, voters are able to vote, which is not always a given in some parts of the state. Looking at you, New York City, the first measure, Prop 1, is the most controversial and sweeping of the bunch uh, as it encompasses several changes related to New York's redistricting process currently underway following last year's census. And this is something that we've talked quite a bit about on this program in recent weeks where I have concluded painfully and unhappily that I now actually favor States like New York and others controlled by Democrats gerrymandering the hell out of their states to combat the rising tide of autocracy that is now at the heart of the now very far right Republican Party, which I've taken to sometimes describing as the American authoritarian front, unfortunately. 
GOP states are, yes, using extreme partisan gerrymandering around the country, for example, in Texas, to, frankly, steal elections and democracy itself. A new House map now being enacted in Texas, for example, would add two new white majority House seats and remove a Latino majority district, despite the fact that the two new House seats that Texas is now uh, gaining for the next decade is almost entirely thanks to the growth in the minority black and brown populations, which make up nine out of ten people in the state's population growth since the 2010 census. The planned GOP partisan gerrymandering in Texas now underway and across the country following the 2020 census would be more than enough, as we discussed on this program recently, to give control of the U.S. House to Republicans, even if Americans voted exactly as they did in 2020, when the Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden defeated Donald Trump by more than 7 million votes. And as Democratic U.S. House candidates that year received more than four million votes, more than Republicans did. Yet they Democrats control the House majority now by the barest of about four votes. Again, even if we voted exactly the same in 2022, Republicans would end up controlling the U.S. House thanks to partisan gerrymandering. And with that, they would have the ability to lawfully or constitutionally or not steal the 2024 presidential election from the American people. That is why I've been forced unhappily to change my position on gerrymandering, at least for the time being, at least until Democrats figure out how to reform the filibuster in the U.S. Senate and pass the Freedom to Vote Act, which includes a nationwide ban on extreme partisan gerrymanders. Now, in New York State, voters will have the chance to vote on that very same thing, sort of. As the New York uh, as the uh, New York Daily News explains, at the moment, an independent commission created by a 2014 constitutional amendment is tasked with redrawing boundaries for congressional and state legislative districts and submitting maps to the legislature for final approval. Prop one, however, changes that so that the legislature approves maps presented by the commission, but it would now only require a simple majority vote in both the Senate and Assembly, regardless of which party controls either chamber. Currently, the current law requires a 60 percent vote to approve new maps under the law. Uh, Prop one would also enshrine in the Constitution that all people, regardless of citizenship status, be counted in the redistricting process. No, they don't get to vote, but they are simply included in the redistricting numbers since, yes, undocumented or otherwise, everyone still uses the same amount of resources for garbage collection, roads, subway use, etc., a coalition of good government groups and unions are rallying behind the uh, Prop 1 proposal, along with two other voting-related measures, Props 3 and 4. Republicans, meanwhile, are up in arms over these changes, and they are appropriating a line from Nancy Reagan encouraging voters to just say no to all three of the propositions. The second proposal on the ballot is an environmental-related uh, uh, proposition, and a good one, I think. But we will get to that on another day, I, I suspect, as we try to focus here on elections. 
uh, for this conversation. So Proposition 3 eliminates the need for voters to be registered at least 10 days before an election in New York. That would pave the way for the legislature then to enact same-day voter registration. Currently, 20 states and D.C. allow for same-day registration, something supporters say New York should also embrace in order to encourage younger voters. Proposition 4 would remove constitutional restrictions on absentee ballots that currently require a voter to attest that they are either ill or out of state in order to request a mail-in ballot at all. If approved, the legislature could then vote to allow for no-excuse absentee voting, as we have across much of the country. Supporters point to the popularity of absentee ballots during the pandemic. That was allowed due to an executive order from the governor, and uh, they also argue that New York's current limitations are just too restrictive. Meanwhile, Republican leaders in Albany oppose both of those measures, arguing that the changes would increase voter fraud. For example, Senate Minority Leader Robert Ort said uh, at the uh, at a Buffalo event last week, quote, what we're talking about is organizations with a vested interest in the outcome of that election going to people with ballots that are already filled out. And saying, I just need you to sign, he calls it modern day ballot box stuffing, even though I don't believe uh, that is the case at all when it comes to filling out ballots and having people sign them. Despite the majority of states allowing no excuse absentee voting, state Republican committee chair Nick Langworthy said the expansion would lead to, quote, chaos and question marks in our elections. But Susan Lerner of the nonpartisan, if left-leaning good government group Common Cause New York said Republicans are fear-mongering. She noted that 34 states and Washington, D.C. already allow widespread mail-in voting with few problems. Contrary to Mr. Langworthy's scare tactics, she said there is no evidence that any of these pro-voter reforms lead to anything other than fair, reliable elections. Why, she asks, should voters in Buffalo or Brooklyn be denied the same voting opportunities that voters in two-thirds of the nation enjoy? Good question. But much as New York is seen as a liberal state, but with conservative election laws, election integrity advocates are not monolithic in their advocacy. Many oppose partisan gerrymandering and even widespread vote-by-mail elections. Joining us now are two such longtime pro-democracy advocates, one a former election official, another a longtime grassroots champion of fair elections for all. Allegra Dangler, in her many years as a democracy advocate, has participated in elections as an elected official, as a candidate for mayor, as a district leader, as a poll watcher in New York and Florida. She has participated in recounts in New York, New Hampshire, traveled to Pennsylvania, California, Ohio, Washington, D.C., and even Costa Rica to observe elections and meet with election security experts. She's also a board member of Citizens Voting New York, citizensvotingny.org, though she is speaking for herself here today as her group has not taken official positions on any of these election-related propositions on the New York ballot on Tuesday. Allegra Dangler, welcome to the broadcast. 
Hello. Good to have you here. Glad to be, glad to be here. Good to have you here, Allegra. Uh, also joining us uh, to discuss the propositions today is Dr. Virginia Martin, who has been with us before, though it has been uh, too many years ago, I'm sorry to say. Uh, Virginia served for 11 years as the Democratic Commissioner at the Columbia County New York Board of Elections until early 2020. I think she may have gotten out just in time. Uh, we first met uh, Dr. Martin after 2010 when optical scan voting systems were introduced in her county and when she and her Republican co-commissioner on the county board decided uh, both that they would conduct full hand counts of those scanned ballots despite state rules mandating the use of computer tallies statewide. Dr. Martin, welcome back to the broadcast. Thank you, Brad. I'm so happy to be here. Okay, got a lot to talk to uh, uh, both of you guys about. Uh, let me start with you, Virginia, because we've we, before we get to these three constitutional amendments on the ballot in New York regarding elections, there's been a, much controversy in recent months, as I suspect you may have noticed, uh, both <laughs> regarding the uh, counting of ballots and some fairly appalling attacks on election officials and election workers and indeed Changes are being made to election laws in a number of GOP-controlled states to make it easier to remove election officials from their jobs and indeed to overthrow election results pretty much on a partisan whim. So uh, this year, as you know, based on, uh, frankly, lies by Donald Trump, many Republicans became concerned about computer vote tallies. Uh, much as you were concerned about computer vote tallies, why did you and your Republican counterpart back in 2010 decide to start hand counting your hand marked hand marked paper ballots in Columbia County? Well, we knew that problems can arise at any time an, an electron meets a, a ballot or meets a vote. Problems can arise with any computerized uh, uh, transaction. Uh, you know, whether it's a matter of hacking or something just going wrong, something be, being uh, misprogrammed or something, you know, misorientation uh, uh, of, uh, mm -hmm. of the voter screen, anything like that. Things can go wrong, and we would never know unless we hand-counted the paper. And fortunately, in New York State, we, ha we had and we still have mm -hmm. all hand-marked paper ballots. So we said, hey, you know, why don't we count all the paper ballots. It's not going to be that hard. It was a little, a little challenging the first couple of times, but we got, we got really good at it, and we were able to prove all of our elections. So, in other words, you found no problems with the computer tallies? And I mean, have you seen anything in that regard, uh, whether it's in Columbia or even across the country in 2020, uh, with these you know, Republican claims of massive fraud, hacked computer tabulation systems? Have you seen anything that concerns you in that regard, uh, either in your own home county or across the country? Um, I don't have uh, firsthand knowledge now, not being a commissioner, mm -hmm. um, but I never saw anything in my experience in Columbia County mm -hmm. to show, to indicate that the, com the computers were not counting properly. But that doesn't mean that they might not count properly mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons. The next time, so you have to do it every time. As to what's going on out there in the nation, you know, I I know. I mean, the the records are clear. Uh, uh, voter fraud is is very, you know, it just hardly exists at all. I mean, we never saw it in Columbia County for sure. Uh, beyond that, you know, it's really important that we have evidence based elections and that all 
voters all across the nation be able to look at the evidence for themselves and see, frankly, you know, that the that this candidate won and that candidate lost. Allegra Dengler, I know that you also watch elections very closely and have long had concerns about computer tabulation systems. Uh, As someone who, I think it's fair to say, comes from the left, did you see anything to justify the claims of massive fraud and computer hacking that the uh, MAGA mob has been claiming now for months, despite any known evidence, at least to me, to back up those very serious assertions that the election was stolen from Donald Trump? Well, not from what they were doing, which was, you know, they could have done a service to democracy if they really went out there and actually hand-counted ballots to make sure that the machine count was right. But that's not what they did. They just went out to make a lot of noise and, uh, you know, confuse the issue and undermine faith in the elections. Uh, but what I've, in, in New York State, there was a very close congressional race, mm-hmm. uh, CD22, and uh, and there was uh, one that the Republican narrowly squeaked past the Democrat with 109 votes. Mm-hmm. And it was so close, and they never counted. They never hand-counted the ballots in the voting machines. Uh, and they only... Why? why? So, Do you have any idea why that was never hand-counted? Uh, because the judges decided that there wasn't reason to hand-count them. The, <laughs> um, the Democratic candidate requested the hand-count, and it didn't happen. Uh, there were also 1,500 affidavit ballots that were rejected mm-hmm. and there was a loss of 2400 voters from the voter registration rolls so that was a very questionable election 109 votes decided it and there was mm-hmm. a similar very questionable congressional election in iowa mm-hmm. um that uh, the democrat uh, rita hart lost to uh the republican miller meeks by six votes yes and in that case also they did not count the you know the hand the uh, hand marked paper ballots that were in the ballot boxes. Yeah, they both went to a judge and the judge stopped the counting. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting how uh, well at least the folks on the right uh, seem to pick and choose which elections they decide they're concerned about and that they decide they want to hand count. Virginia, as mentioned, there's been an appalling series of attacks and death threats and and more against election officials, uh, both Republican and Democrats, by the way, since the 2020 election. In fact, uh, the U.S. Senate held a hearing on that very topic on Tuesday. I'm I'm concerned. Uh, I'm, I'm curious ab- about your thoughts uh, as as a longtime election official elected election official um i'm curious about your thoughts on both that and if you ever face those kind of attacks or or threats as the democratic election commissioner in columbia county new york during your 11 years of service oh i think that's absolutely outrageous what's going on it's it's, it's just terrible uh no i never faced anything like that uh this is unprecedented you know it's difficult enough to get people to come and work the elections. We always have trouble uh, getting people to work as, as poll workers. There are lots and lots of different jobs, and they're all in a very concentrated period of time, so you need to find a lot of people. And typically, they're not going to be people that have uh, full-time jobs, uh, so they can take time off. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to find those people, and if they're being threatened, how is that going to help our democracy? It, it's ridiculous. It's horrible. I'm, I'm outraged by it. 
Well, which, by the way, is one of the reasons, you know, when it comes to election integrity, I am nonpartisan. I will fight for democracy, period, no matter who it helps or hurts. But that is one of the reasons that I am, you know, calling out the Republican Party as a rising autocracy right now, because what is coming out of that party, what they are doing is uh, anything but small d democratic uh as far as i'm concerned allegra on these uh, as to these uh, ballot propositions i want to run through all of these in in new york uh, to change the constitution this uh, this coming tuesday am i right to describe new york's election laws as you see it as as very conservative compared to much of the rest of the country um i don't know about conservative as far as election security, they are bad. All I can say is they are bad. Mm -hmm. Any close contest, until now, we have a new law. We'll see how it works out for close vote margin. But there's no way for anyone, candidate, anyone, to get a full hand count of the ballots to make sure the machines counted right and there were no other problems. So the whole uh, zeitgeist right now is that we must have early voting. We must have vote by mail. These are the areas that were that New York was constantly cited on as Mm -hmm. saying, well, you're very backward. The rest of the country has moved to this, but New York is restricting voters. But for security reasons, I'm actually opposed to both those concepts. And you know what? Let me do this uh, because I went a little bit longer than planned. Let me take a quick break here and we'll come back and we'll walk through uh, props one, props three and props four on the election and get both of your thoughts on these. Allegra Dengler from Citizens Voting NY and Dr. Virginia Martin, uh, formerly the Democratic Commissioner at the Columbia County, New York Board of Elections. With Election Day coming up in New York, uh, just days away and early voting underway now. Quick break. We'll come back, talk about those props right after this on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. Our nightmare election may be over, but new ones are on the way. Here at the Bradcast and Bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. Please help us continue that fight over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. I am. And so are my New York guests today. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. I'm speaking with two longtime election integrity advocates, uh, Allegra Dangler of Citizens Voting New York and Dr. Virginia Martin, the uh, 11-year Democratic Commissioner at the Columbia County, New York Board of uh, of Elections up until early 2020. All right. It is Election Day in New York on Tuesday. Early voting is underway now. And I want to walk through these uh, three propositions that will make uh, changes to the state constitution, all having to do with elections. Prop one will make redistricting easier and, as Republicans argue, easier to gerrymander in favor of their controlling party, which happens to be Democrats right now. Also, Prop 3 will pave the way for same-day voter registration by removing the current requirement for registration 10 days before Election Day. And 
Prop 4 to allow no-excuse absentee voting by mail, which may be the most controversial here in this discussion. Let's find out. Virginia Martin, as noted as I, in the uh, previous segment, I, I have it pains me to say I have been forced to change my own position on gerrymandering, at least for now, at least in lieu of federal legislation to block partisan gerrymandering in all 50 states as we see in the Freedom to Vote Act, if Democrats can pass that. So I'm wondering how you view Prop 1 as someone who worked very well, it seems, even as a Democrat, side by side with your Republican counterpart for many years. Do you have a position on whether the state should essentially make it easier to create new legislative and congressional maps that could favor the controlling party in Albany, which happens to be Democrats right now? Uh, Brad, this is a really difficult one, as you just said, and for that reason, I have not come to a conclusion. But I've got to say, I'm impressed by your arguments, <laughs> and I'm going to consider them. Okay. <laughs> well, good. I, I was hoping to be uh, told I was completely wrong by you guys. Uh, Allegra, your thoughts on the uh, new redistricting proposal, Prop 1, as a longtime election integrity advocate who, like me, I'm guessing, may have long opposed partisan gerrymandering. Oh, absolutely. But uh, just going back to these uh, being constitu- changes to the Constitution of New York State, these aren't laws. This isn't legislation that, that we're looking at. That uh, this is These are laws. So to change the Constitution, to me, requires a lot more need than, uh, than the proponents of this are, you know, mm-hmm. are talking about. Um, and so I would go with uh, the League of Women Voters opposes Prop 1 mm-hmm. because, uh, as you said, in 2014... The Constitution was amended to improve the process, and it's underway right now with a lot of, you know, people that have been working very hard on the uh, redistricting. Mm-hmm. Th- that was um, that was in 2014. That's what created the Independent Redistricting Commission. Right, and okay. they are hard at work right now. Uh, also, Common Cause, I believe, um, also opposes uh, Prop One. Um, so, in in light of two. Organizations that studied this a great deal, I, I'm going to vote against it. The mm-hmm. they can make these changes in legislation if they want, see how it works, and mm-hmm. then do a constitutional change later. So your concern is the fact that these are constitutional amendments. It makes it much harder to unwind uh, later when it's something that could be done. There is nothing that well, actually, is there? Do we know? Is there anything in the state constitution that would uh, disallow them right now to move to a simple? minority vote to approve the independent commission which is essentially what prop one does well they've got the they've got 2014 uh mm-hmm. cha- change to the constitution which is ruling now mm-hmm. so in order to change that you know if they'd put it in the legislature <laughs> legislation instead of in the constitution they could have been debating this in the legislature instead of having to amend the constitution again it becomes very unwieldy well our constitution is very unwieldy but that's a whole mm-hmm. other issue. So uh, Allegra is uh, joining the League of Women Voters in opposing uh, Prop 1 and the changes to the redistricting. Virginia is pondering my argument that I put forward earlier. <laughs> Let's, uh, I'm pondering Allegra's arguments, too. Uh, yeah, well, that's right. Well, now you've heard both cases. Uh, you want to take a side yet? 
You got until Tuesday. It's nope. okay, but not yet. I okay. Do. That's right. I have till Tuesday. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, so let's go to prop three now. We're skipping prop two. That's the environmental proposal for purposes of this discussion. I suspect Desi Doyen will probably pick that one up uh, in the days ahead. But prop three will abolish in New York the ten day deadline to allow eventually allow same day registration. Allegra, if I'm not wrong, it seems to me that New York until very recently had a ridiculously long deadline uh, for registering to vote. It was like months and months before the actual election. Uh, if, if I'm right, it was basically long used by the state as a voter suppression tactic, at least as I saw it, and as I think many voting rights advocates saw it. That has now mercifully been changed to just uh, registration deadline 10 days before the election. But now Prop 3 would do away with any deadline and allow for same-day registration as is now available in many other states, like uh, my own out here in California. Your thoughts on, on Prop 3? Um, I would think that would be more a question for Virginia about the practical implications of how that would be carried out on the ground. A lot of these voting laws, uh, they don't really address, you know, how the local boards are really going. Are they going to have the money? Are they going to have the funds? Are they going to be able to... To do this, well, so and I, I think I would pass this off to Virginia. Well, and I'm going to go to Virginia on this as well, but I'm just curious. There's no particular uh, objection that you have in and of itself to the idea of, of voters being able to register on election day, is there? <laughs> no, I was involved with the Bernie campaign, you know, a few years ago when that happened, the primary in New York State, mm -hmm. and the deadline was something like 180 days to, to register to vote was before people even knew that Bernie was running in New right, York State. Right. It was so ridiculously far ahead yep. that, uh, yes, so there, I agree with shortening that period. Virginia uh, Martin is there uh, as a as a former election official. Your responsibility was to get all of those last minute registrations uh, into the system on time. Of course, it used to be 180 days. Now it's 10 days. Uh, but what are your concerns about uh, Prop 3 and doing away with the 10-day uh, the deadline to eventually allow for same-day registration in New York? Well, let me clarify something here. I think we're conflating two different things. One is voter registration, just registering to mm -hmm. vote, period. Mm -hmm. Another one is changing your voter enrollment, your party enrollment. So if in the past, mm -hmm. if you were enrolled in one party and you wanted to vote in the next year's uh, primary, mm -hmm. then you had to change your enrollment 25 days before the general election, early October. Mm -hmm. Okay, And then the next primary was either in June or, or in October, depending on what year we're talking about. So mm -hmm. that's a long lead time yeah. for changing your party enrollment. Uh, changing or, or registering to vote is a different animal, and that require, currently requires 25 days. So that's early October also before a um, general election, for example, or mm -hmm. 25 days before a primary election. The law for changes in party enrollment in New York State has been changed, and the date of the primary election mm -hmm. has been changed to June. And now, if you're currently registered and you're enrolled in a given party, but you want to change it in mm -hmm. order to be able to vote in that June's primary, you have to do so by February. Uh -huh. So that shortens the lead time a lot. Okay, so those are the two different things we're talking about, okay? Okay. Do you, does, that, does that make sense? Do you follow that? I, I think so, although I understood it was a 10-day <laughs> deadline, not 25-day. 
Am I wrong about well, that? No, no, you're right. No, you're, you're right about that. The con- so the Constitution, speaking of voter registration, this, this mm-hmm. doesn't relate to party enrollment, I'm pretty sure. Okay. The Constitution, talking about voter registration, says 10 days. Okay. The statute, however, says 25 days. Okay. So that's why we currently have 25 days. Okay. And if we were to go to same-day registration, we would have to eliminate the 10-day lead time in the Constitution. Right. And that's what this Prop 3 mm-hmm. is proposing to do. Right. Okay. Right. All right. That said, it sounds like you're gearing up to not be in favor of this idea, but maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. What, what, what's your concern? Well, I have, I have not really favored this idea in the past. And the reason that I didn't favor it and some of the other shall we say, progressive changes that everybody in my party, my Democratic Party, Mm -hmm. uh, advocated for, was that I saw how it worked on the ground. And I saw that boards of election, county boards of election, typically didn't get sufficient resources to do what was suddenly thrust on them to do by law. So, let me say this. The commissioners, the election commissioners that I've worked with, Mm -hmm. have been extremely diligent. They've been absolutely determined to follow the law and do everything they need to do in order to make sure that everybody can vote. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, when you keep throwing things at them and you don't give them extra resources so that they can hire extra staff, so that they can buy extra computers, so that they can find extra room to put all those staff and train them so that they can, you know, uh, enforce all these new statutes, mm-hmm. they've got a problem. And things don't work right. That has been my concern all along. Mm. In theory, would same-day voter registration be okay? Yes. But? But it's got to be properly resourced. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> and, and it sounds like you don't have much confidence that it will be. I mean, I was, I was, as you were speaking, yeah. I'm thinking, hey, if uh, you could be guaranteed that somehow somebody flew in and uh, installed uh, computer components, because that's what we now have out here in California, where we now have same-day registration. And I'm sure uh, you both uh, will be shocked to learn that it caused all kind of problems uh, the first couple of times <laughs> out when the computers suddenly weren't working at the polling place yeah. on Election Day. But if yeah. if if you know if you could be somehow guaranteed that this system would work and it would be as easy as punching them into a system on principle you don't have any particular uh objection to same-day registration is that correct that's right you know in in a perfect world it would be the fact that county boards and parties and everybody involved in the democratic process would make sure that all citizens were properly educated about what was going on. They knew what the deadlines were. You know, they knew mm-hmm. what the, the the rules were, so that they were prepared. And they knew that ten days in advance or twenty days in advance, they had to be they had to be properly registered to vote. Mm-hmm. I wish that uh, our county boards were properly resourced, and our state board was also properly resourced, so that they could conduct the outreach and the education that's needed to accomplish that. But that really hasn't happened. And I don't think we can rely on that happening. Let me, yeah, no, I was going to say, let me move to uh, Prop 4 here. And again, oh. you know, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about all of this with, with you guys is because, you know, there is this idea out there that, you know, folks who are on the left or who are uh, Democratic or lean Democratic all sort of think the same way about elections. No, that is not true, as you can tell from this conversation. Uh, but I, what I'm hoping is to, you know, 
inform the voters so they actually know what these are about and can decide for themselves. To that end, uh, perhaps the most controversial of these three, at least among this group, will find out. And naturally, we have the least time to discuss it. But anyway, Prop 4. <laughs> uh, Virginia, I'll start with you here. Uh, Allegra may have more concerns. I don't know. New York has you know, had long had one of the most restrictive absentee vote-by-mail policies in the nation, requiring voters to uh, swear an affidavit, I guess, that they will be out of town on Election Day or that they have a doctor's excuse to receive an absentee ballot. Now, this would uh, prop four in New York would allow for no excuse absentee voting eventually, which frankly is now the case in much of the country. Your thoughts on on this ballot measure? Um. I don't love it, but I think it's okay, and I'm going to vote for it. And the reason is that there are an awful lot of people who are not comfortable coming into a poll site now. You know, and they don't have the necessary excuses, but they're just not comfortable coming into a poll site, or they've got, or or they can't get there, mm-hmm. or maybe they've got a disability. It makes them uh, makes it difficult, mm-hmm. or or they just don't like coming into a poll site and voting on the accessible device. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of reasons why people who ought to be able to vote should be able to vote, and I think they need to be able to vote without an excuse. Allegra, honestly, uh, I have been, Allegra Dengler, I've honestly a uh, long time been no great fan uh, for a number of election integrity-related reasons of all vote-by-mail elections, which we now have, unfortunately, here in California after the pandemic, and folks seem to like it a lot. Uh, at least Democrats did, because they've done very well by it. Um, so it, there's a number of reasons that I've been no fan, even though during the pandemic I thought it was absolutely necessary. I suspect you may agree with some of the reasons I oppose it. But again, I've sort of been forced to modify my position there, not because I want to, but because there is clearly a huge tide in this country of moving toward more and more absentee and vote by mail elections. Is that a good idea for New York? Uh, Yeah, I'm not happy with this. I haven't been happy with the way it's been going around the country. One is what Virginia was talking about is the Boards of elections have to be properly resourced. They have to have the money mm-hmm. to handle mailing out ballots, handling handling paper ballots, all that goes with that. It's, it's very expensive to add this on to what they're already doing. And if, so if they don't have the money, that's a problem. The second thing I would bring up is chain of custody. Nobody mm-hmm. ever talks about chain of custody. What happens to all the, you know, once you put your little your ballot mm-hmm. in the mailbox, mm-hmm. what happens to it? Yep. And, uh, you know, I've had experience with elections. Um, our state majority leader now, Andrea Stewart-Cousins, her first race, she lost by 39 votes. A couple of months after the election, they found two bags of ballots that had been mailed in in the basement of the building. Another election I was involved in, I was on the ballot. Uh, the town clerk, who was on the other slate, mm-hmm. you know, running against me, we ran over to her office after the polls were closed, and there were three bags of ballots sitting outside of her office. They were supposed to be in the county center. Instead, they were in the town center. Now, in, in, those, in those, front of a, those two cases, in elaborate. front of the, a uh, of a candidate that was on the ballot. Were those? Um, were those? The third thing were, is, well, the post office is in bad shape. <laughs> you know, they, an incident recently. They've got part-time carriers. There was a bag of mail found just thrown into the woods. So the chain of custody problems of vote by mail 
are an issue. Well, I was going to ask you uh, in in those first two cases you mentioned if it was fraud or you know they were just mis misplaced uh, postal office bags. Obviously. If a bag was thrown into the forest, that's probably uh, not an accident. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but Republicans... Well, the guy was tired. It was the end of his shift. He threw it in the, you know. But this is something that could happen, uh-huh. uh, you know, if, if uh, somebody wanted to interfere with an election. The uh, In my race, I think it was just inadvertent. It was just, uh, you know, just a mistake. Mm-hmm. The Andrews through your cousins one, who knows? Who put those ba- bags of ballots down there? You know where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what election districts they're from, so you know pretty much who they're going to vote for. Is it, you know, are they Democratic ballots or Republicans? So having these ballots just loose in the mail, also, you know, of course, because of the pandemic, and probably Mm -hmm. again this year because of the pandemic continuing, Mm -hmm. um, really, we should have vote by mail. But once this emergency is over... Yeah. I'm not in favor of it. Well, and I and it also makes it more difficult for election uh, election integrity advocates, you know, the public to oversee elections, to oversee the the counting of elections. Uh, makes it much harder. I'm really of uh, two minds at this point, uh, Virginia, because I. Uh, you know, I favor I, I want to make it easier for people to be able to vote and having to, you know, swear, uh, oh, I'm I'm sick or I'm going to be out of town simply because any number of reasons you can't or don't want to come into the polling place. You know, restrictions like we see in New York, we used to have in uh, Pennsylvania. We certainly see them down in Texas. Uh, restrictions on the right to vote ultimately seem to me to be vote suppression. Right. And, you know, as to chain of custody, which is absolutely crucial, and, and I am all over chain of custody, um, I think the addition of drop boxes, mm-hmm. properly maintained, yep. bipartisanly maintained drop boxes, sufficient number of them, alleviates a lot of the concern about uh, using the mail and something weird happening to the mail. Mm-hmm. Another thing is that uh, different states, certainly New York State, has set up a very good tracking system so that once you apply for a ballot, you can log into the state system, find out where your application is, find out if your ballot's been sent. You can uh, mail it back or drop it back, and then you can find out whether or not they've received it. So you can track your ballot, and that helps a lot. I, I really support that. And again, I really support boards having the sufficient resources so that they have enough staff to oversee this properly and to oversee it bipartisan. Uh, and can I, can yeah, I add one more thing? Sure, sure. I do, I do not support solely having vote by mail and not having precinct um, optical scanners. Mm-hmm. People, need, people have to be able to come in and vote in person uh, with hand-marked paper ballots uh, on an optical scanner. And I also support what we have currently in New York State, which is that if you submit an absentee ballot, but then show up up at the polls to vote, either early vote or our election day vote, you can cast your ballot, and that vote, of course, is counted, but the Board of Elections will not open your absentee ballot. And I support that because there is danger with coercion. Mm-hmm when it comes to absentee ballots, yep. because ballots that are sent home, you know, I mean, you can have somebody, it might be a spouse, it might be an employer, somebody else, yep. who wants to see how you fill out your ballot. Yep. So if that happens, well, then what you do is you go to the poll site and you vote on the machine, and that ballot never gets opened. Yeah. 
I'm very concerned about uh, intimidation, vote buying and selling that comes uh, via absentee ballots. That's one of the reasons I'm uh, I'm with Allegra on that as well. But, uh, you know, it's that constant battle between uh, security um, yep. and the right to vote. It's a tough one. Before I let you go, let me just uh, when it comes to this prop four. Feel free to give me a yes or no or none of your damn business. On, yeah, I just have on, one more thing, Brad. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Uh, you know, why are we doing this? Why are we doing vote by mail? It's supposedly to increase participation, but a Stanford study in 2020, the National Academy of Sciences research article, um, universal vote by mail has no impact on turnout mm. or vote share. Mm. So why are we doing this? Why are we adding this expense and this... Um, you know, this problem to our impediment to uh, safe mm-hmm. and secure elections. I'm I'm marking uh, you down as a no on Prop 4. Is that right, Allegra? <laughs> I think that's a no. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and Virginia, and only because i got to get out, guys. Uh, Virginia, yay or nay on Prop 4? Yay. 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 All right, we got a split yeah. there. Yeah. As I yeah. said, uh, the election integrity community is not monolithic. We have <laughs> a lot of opinions, and even amongst ourselves, even as you heard me, I can't decide on my own on some of these things. So I'm grateful for Allegra Dangler of Citizens Voting NY that you can find citizensvotingny.org to find their work, even though she was here speaking for herself. And Dr. Virginia Martin, the longtime Democrat, now former, sadly, former Democratic Election Commissioner at the Columbia County, New York Board of Elections. Uh, Dr. Virginia Martin, Allegra Dangler, I thank you both for joining us today on the Bradcast. Very, very uh, helpful. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Thank you, Brad. Brad. You bet. Good luck next week. Okay. Uh, we got to get out. Yes, we do. But, you know, I want to yeah. say really quickly that yeah. this is the machinery. This is the nuts and bolts of election integrity. So hopefully hearing about this, even if you don't live in New York, that it helps you understand your elections so that you can be a more informed advocate for elections in your own community. Yes, there is so much misinformation and disinformation out there on these topics. And it's usually broken into a, you know, right versus left, red, blue, Democratic, uh, uh, Republican, progressive, conservative nonsense. So, uh, yeah, there are real issues to discuss here, and I'm glad we were able to take the time to uh, discuss it a little bit, yes. at least with our guest today. We have, we do have to get out. So my <laughs> thanks to our producer, Desi Doy, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It's always greatly appreciated. We hope you got something out of it. I know I did. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, or you just want to share it around, you can stop by bradblog.com, download it for free. You can also drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, you will find me at the Brad Blog. That's it. I'll see you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. It's up.